This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential Week 31. What happens in the delivery room stays in the delivery room. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend, real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and your bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor of Parents. And with me today is... I'm Chandra Turner. I'm the executive editor of Parents. And... And I'm Kara Card, and I'm the health director at Parents. And between us, we've all spent a fair amount of time in the delivery room. So it's week 31. You're probably finding your mind kind of constantly circling around the eternal third trimester feeling, which is how is this baby going to get out of my body? (laughs) It's really when it starts to dawn on you, the physical reality of having a baby. And I know you're probably curious about what that's like. So we're going to try to share a little bit of our experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) This week's podcast will let you in on the deepest, darkest secrets of the delivery room so that you know just what to expect when you're done expecting. But before we go there, let's start by talking about how big your baby is this week. At week 31, your baby is the size of a head of broccoli. Other ideas, ladies? Loaf of bread? Yeah, a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread. That feels pretty easy to give birth to, not too painful. Well, I can't say the same for a chihuahua, but that is roughly the size of Remember when it was a micro chihuahua? Yeah, Wasn't that yeah. long ago? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, if you want more details and those, um, you know, really with a solid foundation in medical science about what's happening to your baby this week, I recommend that you sign up for our pregnancy newsletter. It's a daily email, and you can sign up at parents.com slash pregnancy daily, and you'll get the scoop daily. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Birth is messy. It's chaotic. Your water breaks. There's this mucus plug. Um, there's <laughs> the grossest term. It is. It's really not that bad. I mean, like, if you are a woman and you menstruate, like, mucus plug, mucus plug, it's no big deal. <laughs> well, compared to everything else that comes out of you, it's nothing. Right. It's just you know, a, a you gross can You can tear, right? The, uh, let's just be really frank. You can, you, you can tear the perineum, which And they is, get graded? Yes. Oh, right, right. Right. Or, you know, sometimes doctors do still snip down there. I think it's really kind of passe. They think tearing is just better, even though it sounds awful. You pass all kinds of fluid, including poop. But the I, I don't know about you guys, but the beauty was it's not like anyone is down there between your legs holding up the, the sheet of whatever, you know, latex or whatever it is that you're giving birth on and going, look, you pooped, right? No. No. Fact, actually, yeah. So, <laughs> really? No, 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 no. I can back that up for you. 
I had uh, like a little college reunion about a month ago, and one of my friends is a labor and delivery nurse. So another friend asked her, what percentage of women poop during delivery? And she said, 99%. Right. And I was like, I didn't. She's like, you probably yeah. did. And I was like, I know I didn't. She's like, did you have an epidural? I said, yes, I did. She's like, then you have no idea what was going on down right. there. So I was quiet. And then I was like, well, if I did, then how come I didn't see it and my husband didn't see it? And she said, because you had a nice labor and delivery nurse who cleaned it up before anybody noticed. Right. right. I, I distinctly refuse to believe. I distinctly remember her I think I'm in the one away my little turds. I was like, what is she doing? Really? Yes. And so she would just reach in very strategically. Oh, my it, God. It, and she just put it, as my husband said, in the trough. <laughs> the trough. Your British husband, right? <laughs> so don't sweat it. You're going to poop. You're going to pee. There are going to be unidentified liquids that pass through. Don't worry about it. It's not like when my husband and I now go out to dinner. Well, first of all, we're never talking about labor or delivery. But even <laughs> right afterward, we he was never like, oh, let's, you know, let's talk about what actually happened. I saw you poop. No, they, yeah. they're never going to say anything if they even pay attention. I mean, it's just such an amazing thing is happening. They're just eager to see what the baby looks like. So if you're squeamish about this either because you're going to poop in front of some, a semi-stranger or because you're going to poop in front of the person that you're spending the rest of your life with, <laughs> just let it go. Don't don't well, stress too You know, much. and life's messy and ugly yeah. and right. I mean, it is. It's, it's a good introduction to all the poop you're going to have uh-huh. in the next few months. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get used I do to remember, it. though, after they put the baby on my chest and I had on one of those awful hospital gowns because they, you know, don't wear a nice gown when you're giving birth because it's going to get bloodstained, frankly. And I, the first photograph taken of me with the baby on my bare chest, there's exposed nipple and then there's also blood on the, somewhere on the gown. And I'm like, well, you can Photoshop out the blood on the gown, but how are we going to handle this exposed nipple? (laughs) Crop, crop. So, yeah, just try to, you know, try to cover up. Because also at that point in time, I don't know if you ladies remember, but your nipple is the size of, you know, a Frisbee. (laughs) Right. Oh, it's huge. I forgot. (laughs) So one one question you're probably thinking about is who's going to be in the delivery room with you? And this is really a cultural thing in many ways. Some families and in some religious traditions or cultural traditions, it's really common to have a whole horde of people in the delivery room. Some hospitals have policies limiting the number of people, but you don't want to be self-conscious, right? You want to be able to be free to pass gas and do whatever else you might need to do. It's pretty common that it can only be three people. That would include your doula if you're having a birth doula. Some people have a photographer and then your partner. Some people have their mother-in-law, their mother, their sister. But as you're thinking about that and people are trying to horn in on the action and get in that delivery room, you do want to be thinking about who are you going to be most comfortable with seeing you at your most bare and, and intimate The day that I was induced, my sister came with me for what we thought was going to be just a checkup. And she ended up having to stay with me until my husband could get off of work and come. So she was there for the induction process. And there were many residents involved and some stripping and all kinds of stuff. And The residents stripped? That would be fun. (laughs) 
No, and, and, <laughs> along explain, with mucus plug, um, another gross phrase is membrane stripping. <laughs> so that's like to get things going with your cervix if yeah. you if you aren't actually right. naturally ready to give birth yet. In any case, point is, sister was there when my husband showed up. It was like an outline of her body through the door. She wanted no part of being there. So I, you may be from a family like mine where nobody's dying to be in that delivery room with you. I do remember after the fact, you know, my husband was there and I put no regulations on where he could stand or what he could see. And a colleague who had a baby around the same time said that she had a very firm rule that her husband had to stay behind her head during the whole thing. And I was kind of surprised because I remember my OBGYN walking in and saying like, okay, it's time to have a baby and pointing to my husband and saying, grab a leg. Yep. Because uh, he had yeah. one leg and the labor and delivery nurse had the other leg. So he could see everything yeah. that happened. And as I said, I don't think he's at all scarred for life by it, you know. No. I know. Now that you bring it up, we've never discussed no. that process. What this, at least what this not friend the... said was she's like, if he sees that, he's never going to want to have sex with me again. And I thought, what? No. Men always want to have I sex. That's right. She doesn't know many men. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We had. I had a mirror. Um, oh, I didn't for, have a for mirror. the first for the first baby I didn't, but then I had my son, and they're like, "Do you want a mirror?" And I'm like, "Sure," because I felt I was jealous that everybody else got to see this baby come out the last time, and I didn't get to see. So they put this mirror up. So I was like, you know, spread eagle. And I just remember seeing like my nether regions kind of pulsing. Oh my God. I mean, it was like everything is swollen. And you and, saw the head come. Did and I actually... saw the head. I mean, like, you know, you're so distracted and it was hard, yeah. like, I, you know, because like the head is crowning when you are pushing. And so then I can't, you can't even see. You're not see, even really focusing. Right? You can't even focus. But it was amazing. I mean, my husband later said it was a little TMI, but at the same time, you can't pass it up. Like it's like yeah. a train wreck or a car accident. Like you can't. <laughs> not look at it. Right. It was absolutely fascinating. Is it even recognizably your vagina at that point? Or are you oh, just like, no. it just looks like a, I don't know what. No, because it's like so spread open. A gaping. Right. So large. <laughs> and then like not Maw. to be like, wait, this is like pushing it way too far. But you also forget that your butthole's down there. So, oh. it's, like, so it's like... You know, there's lots of muscles happening, and so it's twitching, and you're just like, I don't, it's like, yes, okay, I don't mind so much that everybody can, like, see my vagina. Like, it's just that, like, but also your, you know, your anus is exposed as well. I mean, thankfully, there's nothing coming out of it at this point. Like That's already taken care of. That's already taken care of. (laughs) But it was kind of amazing to see my child come into the world, and I'm not one of those people that would want to have a photographer, like, actually shooting that. Of course, it's burned in my memory. Like, I will never forget that. I don't know what I would have done if I had even been given the option. Oh, I wish I'd had that. That sounds cool. It was wild. But my background is as a health editor, so I'm just kind of into that stuff. So is mine, but I'm not sure if I uh, <laughs> you can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about home birth at all. And, you know, more women are doing it. It's still a really small percentage of the population, but there's a lot of growth in that area. And that just strikes me as a place where even more is going to be visible. And your partner's even more a part of the process. Yeah, for sure. So and you're going to go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Like if you have your baby in your bedroom or right. your bathroom, like some women have it in the bathtub, I guess. I don't know. Do you guys know Maya Mbalik from The Big Bang Theory? Yeah. She gave birth to her son at home, and her older son watched the whole thing from his high chair. I don't know how old he was, but that is wild. And he was well-behaved enough. I mean, my children would be like, uh, I want a snack. Can I have some more of the drink? Why don't you put on 
Sesame Street. My, I mean, it would totally interrupt the entire process. Oh, my God. My older daughter has, you know, a touch of anxiety. And I think this would beyond scar her for life. She'd never have kids. <laughs> she would never she have would children. She would be yes. thinking I'm dying through the whole thing. Yeah. Forget it. I would my never older child have... was not old enough. I mean, they wouldn't have even let him in the hospital, but I had a hospital birth, so I guess that's different. I'm curious whether our listeners are going to have like a whole horde of people in the delivery room or just a couple. I'm sure you're thinking about that right now. I'm sure you're thinking about what are your concerns, your fears, and I hope you'll tweet us that information because we can come back with more details on that. So tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax, You've Got This is about the anxiety of finding mom friends once you've pushed the baby out and you're pushing a stroller. If you're like a lot of women, the last time you really had to make friends was probably when you went to college. But you might have a situation where a lot of your friends aren't there yet. They're not maybe even contemplating pregnancy. So you want to keep your non-pregnant, non-mom friends, but you're also probably thinking about looking for a new crew that can really relate to your experiences. So it's time to think about who are those mom friends going to be, because you're going to need them. But where do you find them? Do you guys remember how you made mom friends? I was very fortunate in that it just so happened that my neighbor on my floor in my apartment building had her daughter four weeks before I had mine, which is much better for me than for her because she was going through everything right before me and dealing with it because there's so many micro stages, like when you first have a baby, that it was like just last week she had dealt with that particular breastfeeding issue or yeah. diapering issue or whatever the heck totally it was. In sync. And I could go to her and be like, is, you know, is this normal? Am I normal? Am I going crazy? I can't sleep? Whatever the case was. And it was just really comforting to have that. My other friends who had had children, you know, a year or two ahead of me, of course, were very helpful as well. But there's nothing like having somebody who is at the same stage. You can do that online, too. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be somebody across the hall from you. I mean, there's lots of birthing, you know, clubs that you can you can join online where you can be in the exact same stage. And I think that's really, really helpful. My experience was a little different. It, I really did lean on the friends I'd already had who had children, no matter how old their children were. It took me a little longer because I lived in a town I didn't, uh, that was relatively new to me. So it took me longer to find friends that I felt like I could really share anything particularly personal with until my children were a little older. So I just relied so heavily on my own close friends from work and growing up. Yeah, I think my work community was really important to me because I wasn't in a position to do a lot of mommy and me classes Mm -hmm. or join a stroller size because I was working. So there were other moms in my office. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I work in an industry where there are a lot of women and a lot of those women were moms. And so I did learn a great deal from them, including sometimes my bosses, you know, were, were working moms also. So what do you need from a mom friend? Like, what are the essential ingredients? Non-judgy. Absolutely. Yes. And also, like, no scary militant stances on anything, whether it's breastfeeding or co-sleeping or vaccines. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I don't, I don't want to get into debates with people. I don't want to feel completely other than. Right. Or like you have to defend your choices right, and your right. position. I also support me. Support me, even if we don't make the same decisions. I also think having a similar uh, respect or appreciation for scheduling, because there are parents who, you know, are like, I don't, she's not going to nap, but that's fine. We'll just, we'll meet you out, or let's just all go to the restaurant, or um, we'll stay anyway. 
I wouldn't reciprocate. I was a slave to my nap um, schedules kids. and yes. stuff. Right. So. I, I'm unapologetic about that. And that's hard to be friends with people. I mean, even, you know, the woman that I was so close with across the hall, completely different schedules. Uh-huh. You know, her children, she was much more free-flowing about that. She let yeah. them eat when they were hungry as babies and then sleep when they were sleepy. And if they weren't sleepy, that was fine. And if they couldn't then go to bed until midnight, that was fine, too. And so she was much more relaxed about that. And I was much more strict about that. Yeah. But it was a really great introduction to, you know, mom friendships going forward because there's always something that you're going to differ. But it's finding that common ground and being able to be honest and have somebody who is going through it at the same time to understand you and for you not to feel weird about confessing something that is really hard, you know, mm-hmm. not being able to sleep or maybe not being completely happy with it or being yeah. sometimes it's miserable to be stuck in the house and having somebody that you can talk to about being frustrated um, or anxious about new motherhood. Mm-hmm. It's invaluable. I can remember after my son got to be a little older and we were going to the playground and he was a toddler, you would see other moms there. And I not to harp on the working, but again, it's just like if you're working all day, it's really hard to make friends out in the world. And so you would see other, I would see other moms on the playground and be like, oh, wow, she seems like kind of cool. Like maybe I want to be friends with her. But then that moment of like, how do you approach and what's not weird? (laughs) You know, like the fact that you have kids around the same age and you go to the same playground is is not a normal foundation for friendship. And yet you can be so desperate for it at that stage in life. Like, oh, wait, let me try. And then it's sometimes like, you know, if you strike up a conversation, the person could open their mouth and you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, this one is not for me. But often you want to reach out and you just don't know how to how to do it. You're reminding me of when uh, my daughter was really, really young. We met a couple at the pool and uh, we're hanging out. We're talking and they like went away and then they came back and said, would you guys... um want to get together maybe next weekend. And so... So they were total strangers. So then there had to be that exchange of... Like, they had to make sure, like, I like her. Do you like him? He yeah, seems fine. Yeah. So then they came back and they asked us if we wanted to get together. And for whatever reason, it ended up being the only date that would work for them that following weekend was my husband's birthday. And my husband doesn't care about his birthday. So he was like, have him over. I never told them that it was his birthday. Because ah! I think that's weird. <laughs> like, that's their first time coming over. And I'm like, it's his, you know, like, I just, right. we never said a word about it. That's how desperate we were for couple friends. Uh-huh. Which is, I think, just as important. And, and um, much harder. Much harder to way. get all four yes. to like each other. Be simpatico. Right. Yes. So I guess the the message from us really is you're going to have to kind of work at it a little bit to make friends. And it doesn't come as naturally as you'd want. Yeah, and that's okay. But as a result, you shouldn't be shy about sort of wearing your need for a friendship on your sleeve. That's it for Pregnancy Confidential for today. Our producer is Sarah Abdurman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine, Facebook at Facebook.com Parents Magazine, or Instagram at, of course, Parents Magazine. And if you like the show, please tell a friend. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment when you subscribe. It helps other people find the show. Unlike other podcasts, you don't need to wait a week for the next episode. You're getting close to the end of your pregnancy now. So if you want a sneak peek of what the weeks ahead hold for you, you can listen right now. 